pastor recently preached on the prodigal son. Today, I'm going to focus on his brother. I think most everyone sees the inherent problems that the, the prodigal had. This pastor went over, did a fantastic job, and blessed me. But today, I want to focus The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, reading in the King James, the, the uh, adult version, Luke chapter 15, excuse me, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, I want you to, as we read this, I want you to consider this a family affair. It's a family matter. Both boys had the same father, members of this family. Not distant cousins. Both boys were members of this family and had the same father. So when we think of family, we think of kingdom of God, we think today, we think of church family. Do you see where I'm going with this? He had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want." When you're out of the will of God, you will have famine in your life. This story is not just about somebody out in the world. This is a story about family. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And verse 15 is one of the most interesting scriptures that I've run across in a long time. And he went and joined himself unto a citizen of that country. And here's what it says. And he sent him into his fields to feed his swine. Who? Who sent him? Not his father at home. Not himself. Somebody else who now has authority. He sent him into his fields to feed swine. And the Bible says, and he would have fain or would have Vainly filled his belly with the husks, just the old corn cobs and the shells that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Father didn't pay any attention. It was like this boy was just yammering on, and then the father's going to lay out what really is going to happen. 
A lot of you are yammering on because you've done something wrong and you've asked God to forgive you and you keep yammering on about it. Here's what the father says. But the father said unto his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for my son, which was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now here's where my story begins. Now the elder son was in the field. He was about working. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Say that word with me, dancing. You old Pentecostal folks like me, say that word with me, dancing. Just want you to read the Bible. (laughs) This is a Jesus story. Just in case you don't hold the Apostle Paul up like Christ, but the word says the word is the word, the whole word. You obey it all. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Marvelous! Let's make a festive occasion. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou hast never made me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured his living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He was seething with anger. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet or fitting, necessary, that we should make merry and be glad For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Would you grab your neighbor's hand? The next few minutes we want to look into this situation. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the story of the prodigal. We thank you, Lord God, for the story of redemption, for coming to ourselves, for shaking ourselves, for realizing, Lord, that we had gotten out of your will. And I thank you for your compassion and your patience, your humanity as well as your deity. I give you praise and I thank you this day. Father, I pray as we examine the rest of the story, you would help us, Lord, to understand that we can fall into a pit if we're not careful. Father, I pray for our attitudes this morning. I pray, Lord God, for our thinking, for our emotions, for how we view life and how we view others who are struggling in their walk. 
I give you praise and I ask you today for your mercy upon us for great has been your mercy thus far and your word declares it is for generation to generation from eternity to eternity from alpha to omega your mercy endureth forever. And we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn and shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them to get ready. God is going to bless us yet again. Some very interesting things about the book of Luke. Some of you may be astounded to find out that Luke was not an apostle. Might have thought he was an apostle because he wrote one of the gospels. You might be astounded to find out that Luke was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile physician, probably knew how to speak Greek very well and may very well have been influenced by the Greeks who had moved into the, to their influence into the land of Israel. Luke, as opposed to John's gospel, focused on Jesus as the Son of Man. John focused on him as the Son of God, deity, authority, the Word made flesh and dwelling amongst us. But Luke was more about his compassion and his humanity and his ability to really bring the gospel right down where you and I live. And thus the story of the prodigal and his brother that talks about a family matter. If you look around, you're going to see the family of God that is readying themselves to be taken up into heaven in the rapture where you're going to spend eternity together. Now, if you don't particularly like me, you're in trouble because I'm going to heaven. How do you know? Because my Savior, Jesus Christ has washed me of my sins and has cleansed me in his blood and by his righteousness, by his power, by his authority, by his sacrifice, he hath saved me from now all the way throughout eternity. Can you say amen this morning if you know him? It's not that I'm cocky. If you think I'm cocky, you don't know me. But I am sure of what Jesus Christ has done for me, and I am absolutely certain that I'm not going to turn loose of his hand, no matter what. Absolutely certain. In this family, there was a son who was young in his attitudes, And he wanted everything right now. Impatient, impetuous, wasn't willing to wait on the father's plan for his life, but wanted things right now. The pastor told me to let her go today. We're going to study the attitudes of the elder brother in just a minute. But one of those attitudes of the elder brother was he knew it all. He was more spiritual. He was mature, never transgressed, never did anything wrong. You go to him and he could tell you what was wrong with you. If Satan hasn't sent somebody your way yet, 
He's going to send somebody that's going to try to be your spiritual authority. They're going to prophesy over you and tell you stupendous things that are going to happen. Great things, a big pie in the sky. They will never tell you that anything bad's going to happen. But great things are going to happen. And you'll wait, and you'll wait, and you'll wait, and they'll feed you a little more spiritual manure. And you'll wait, and you'll wait, and you'll wait, and they'll feed you just a little bit more. Get your hopes up. And you'll wait, and then you'll wait, and then you'll realize that you've been led like a bull with a ring in its nose just doing whatever this person comes up with until you find out that you have let them take the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. God the Father did not send the Holy Spirit that you could put somebody else in their place. Prophetic messages are of God. Prophecy is of God. But more times than not, it's not going to be a surprise to you. It's going to be something that the Lord has already whispered in your spiritual ear. And it will come as confirmation, as a word from the Lord to encourage you with what he has already put in your life. Turn loose of somebody else to be your guide. Grow up in the Lord. Get on your knees. Seek God for your spiritual direction and listen to him. You'll never go wrong letting the Holy Ghost be your encourager, your instructor, your guide, your advocate, your comforter, your power and authority, the one that anoints you when it's time for the anointing. We know the story of the prodigal, how so impatient. How many of you have ever watched that program where these folks are going to renovate a house? They walk into a house or they're just looking for a house. They're going to buy a house. These young, young folks mostly, they walk in. How those kitchen cabinets are, they're a week old. They're coming out. Get your crowbar. We're busting them up now. That granite, that granite's not the right color. Somehow they've got the idea that they're going to have what mom and dad took 30 and 40 years to collect. They're going to get it in one week. And that's exactly what was wrong with that young man. He wanted his, his whole inheritance now. And he wasn't happy to stay at home under the father's authority. He had to go out. I want to tell all the ministers and everybody that wants to work for the Lord. If you're in the will of God, if you're in the will of God, you will always have spiritual authority over you and be answerable to somebody else. I'm not talking about for your spiritual direction. I'm talking about someone that you trust to call you on what you are about to do, whether 
it be the will of God or not. Young ministers should always be under the authority of an elder minister of some sort. This, in this case, would be our pastor. If you think you know more than your pastor, you are wrong. And I know that if somebody's thinking that, that you're thinking, ah, you're just off the deep end. You don't know what you're talking about. I'll never be able to reach you until you realize you need spiritual authority in your life. You will always, I have always had it. Always. It makes you answerable for what you do. And it keeps you in check. That's why the pastor has a counsel. He has a counsel to answer to. And in fact, when you're at the top and you're the pastor, you are answerable to everybody. So if you think you're going to climb the ladder and put on the big pastor's hat and you'll not have any problems, you are delusional. So the young man, you know, wasted everything. And he came to himself. He was absolutely spiritually dead. Dead to the family, spiritually dead because he was so impatient. And then he wasted it all. But when he got back home, that's when the battle really began. You think the battle is out there. You think the spiritual battle is outside the church. It's where you meet all the demons and those people who are lost and may have addictions and problems and some demon-possessed and some other things you're going to be dealing with. Don't ever show the enemy fear. Don't ever back up from demon possession if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the power. You have the authority. Where the spiritual battle can really be the roughest is right inside the church. Because you're supposed to be my brother and sister. The young man got home and his father wrapped his arms around him, put a ring on his finger, killed the best, the best calf he had, made hamburgers and sausage and everything, all the porterhouse steaks, and they were singing and they were dancing and making music and merry. And the elder brother got angry. There are people in the church, when they see you doing well in the Lord, get puffed up. Well, why did the pastor put that one up there to sing? I can sing better than that. They sound like a bullfrog. I sing like an angel. Why did, why did the pastor put that one up there to preach? They stumble and bumble around. Why, I, I, can, I, I can preach like I fell out of the gates of heaven. I have a greater anointing. I know better. I'm more learned. I'm preaching right where people live. Here's another scenario. Well, bless God, if the pastor doesn't appreciate me and he sets me down and has a talk with me, I'm just going to gather my toys and leave. I know that doesn't happen here, Pastor. Never. In fact, things can get so intense that there's a split between one brother and the other brother. 
Both of them had an attitude problem. The younger had the attitude that he wanted everything right now. Bless God, Brother Jeff. I can preach. Put me up there every week. I'll show you what I know. People can get the wrong attitude. Attitude is probably 98% of your spiritual battle. You don't have to like my preaching, but you do have to love me. I'm not preaching every week, so you get a reprieve. But you do have to love me. And I love you. You may be an introvert and like to be left alone. I'll leave you alone. We, we can sit in a room together and stare at and watch the paint dry. That's where I'm at. I'm comfortable with that. You may be an extrovert. You may, you may like to shake hands and run and greet everybody that comes in the house of God. That's great. That's how God made you, and you need to do that. Or you'd be denying what God has made you to be. But that's not me. Whatever you are, whoever you are, be there and love the one who's not like you. Love them. Not everybody has to fit your cookie cutter. In fact, you need to take your cookie cutter out of your pocket, put it on the floor, and stomp the devil out of it. Because each and every one of us is unique in the Lord with unique personality, with unique talents, and we should appreciate one another. But if I get puffed up, because somehow, some way, I let my feelings get hurt and I want to run off somewhere else and, and, and I'm looking for the perfect church, the perfect church. There's people who spend their entire lives going from church to church to church looking for the perfect church. And you must realize that if it's a godly church, Jesus Christ is in authority there also and you're going to find more problems. Because your problem is with the Lord, not with people. Your problem is with your attitude, not with a brother and sister that's not just like you. It's how you look on life and the people you serve God with. Now, I don't know what heaven's going to be entirely like. I don't know. But when we get there, we will know each other as we are known. You know, and if you're kind of a quiet person, I don't really envision you swinging from the chandeliers in heaven. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll be an Olympian in swinging from the chandeliers. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, let's enjoy one another right here on planet Earth. Back to the spiritual know-it-all. This man was a spiritual know-it-all. I've known people that felt they were more spiritual, that their children were more spiritual than my children or their, somebody else's children, and let it be known. Whenever you meet somebody who proposes themselves to be more spiritual than you, you can mark my words, they're not but tag them with a caution tag because the enemy 
will try to put that person in a position of authority over you so your gifts and your talents will shrink while they control you. God saves people with controlling spirits. And they drag baggage right along into salvation. And all the time the Holy Ghost trying to take that luggage out of their hand. And they're trying to maintain that controlling personality. They got to be in charge. They got to be in control. They, they, they have to have their hands in everything. If your hands are in everything, you're not doing anything well. Can I have another amen? amen. If your hands are in everything, you're, you haven't mastered one thing. Focus. Focus on the gift that God has given you. I know the gift that God has given me, and I focus on it. I don't try to be something that I'm not. When I'm asked to be something that I'm really not, I'll do it. It's not my passion, but I'll do it. I've been asked at other times in my ministry to be young people's leader, song director, and this and that, and this and that. My wife and I have always complied and tried to fill in and do what we could do. But my passion is preaching and teaching the Word of God. Focus. Focus. The anger that was in this man, when he found others to be doing better than him, is an angry spirit of legalism. And myopic vision. His, his whole life was centered around him and his accomplishments. Didn't want anybody else to do well as long as his program was intact and he was pleasing his dad by all the things that he could do. You know, sometimes the father just wants you to get, just to talk to him and love him. It's not a performance relationship. It's not, uh, oh, oh, well, bless God, I, I, I've never did this, I've never did that, and I've never been involved in that, and never had this addiction, that, never did this and that, and, 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 and so I, I am better than everybody else. That was his attitude. Here's what both boys deserved, both of them. Both of them deserved this. And you and I both deserve this. Eternal judgment for the sin we've committed. That's what we deserve. But by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, He has wrought salvation in our lives... He has poured himself out like an oblation on the altar before the Father. And he, when we come before him and we ask him into our heart and we repent of our sin. That's not confession. Confession is saying you've done it. Repentance is saying I'm not doing it no more. When we do that, the blood of Jesus Christ washes all of our sins away. 
And we become a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. Here's here's the one thing I've noticed in this scripture. In his seething anger and in in, in his self-absorption, his meism so strong that it was repulsive, the father approached him and said, you know, son, it was right that we make merry when your brother came home because he was dead and and is alive and we should celebrate that. But no mention was ever made that his attitude changed. This tells me as a family, attitude is your decision. It's all right there. You get down and pray, Lord, change my attitude. You get up from there and you better change your attitude. Because that's his will and he'll give you the power. But some decisions in your walk are in your power and you have to make the decision. I've seen evangelists come in and and the same people get saved every revival. Because they really didn't make a decision for Christ to change their life. Only to pray and have conviction prayed off until they went out and did it again. If you're living a Christian walk of sustaining and not advancing, you have got the wrong idea about salvation. Salvation is not about just a sustaining relationship where you repent and you repent to some extent, you believe to some degree, and, and, and then you do it all over again and go back and do it, go back and do it, and go back and do it. You need to let Jesus Christ truly in your heart to become Lord and Master of everything you do, say, and think. Here's, here's one way to know that you're on the right track. Here's a spiritual gauge that is very, as we would think, unspiritual. When the Lord gets in, no, when the Lord has full access, I got your attention. I like this. There's a little tension in the air. When the Lord has full access, to your pocketbook, you're probably growing spiritually. See, spiritual development begins with physical obedience. How can, can you look at can you look at Liz and oh, oh, you are deeply spiritual. I can see it in your eyes. I can say those words. But unless the Lord shows me, I don't really know. How do I know somebody is growing in the Lord? They ask the pastor, what can I do? What do you you need doing around here, pastor? Don't tell nobody. Don't go tell somebody that I've started this. But what do you really need to have done? And by the way, here's my tithes. This This is not my tithe after I pay for all my other cable and and this and that, and this and that, and this is what's left. No, this is tithe. 
It begins from there. It's attitude. It's attitude. Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Or is he just an addition to your portfolio? Is, is, is he the portfolio? Or is he just a page in there? Does he hold you in his hands? Does he pull the string and make you talk and make you walk? Is he the one that's in control? Have you given your attitude over to him? There is an uncomfortable atmosphere in here this morning. But it's the truth. There's brothers and sisters who have been out in the world and come back. And the father wraps his arms around them. And then there's brothers who look at that one that's come back. That's been forgiven. That's a family member that's loved and cherished. And are angry that the pastor would use such a person. I'm hammering all over somebody's toys this morning. And there may not be a one come forward this morning, but I guarantee you'll take it home. In the family of God, I don't care. Brother, would you, would you come here? The brother in the very back, the mustache, the long hair. Would you come up here with me? David, please. David, were you raised in the church? I mean, from a young child, were you raised in the church? Or did you come to know the Lord later in life? Later. All right. I want you to turn around with me. I was raised in church. My father believed in drugs. Drug me to church every single Sunday. <laughs> when my brother's confession said he wasn't raised in church. His hair's a little longer than mine. He's got more suntan than I do. I'm pale and pasty. He's nice and toasty. <laughs> we are brothers in the Lord. Jesus doesn't look at me as any better, any different. Not one iota. Nothing. It's a letter out of the Greek alphabet. Iota, minuscule, nothing. Doesn't look at him any different. For as Christ has entered into his life, Christ has entered into my life. We have different persona. We have different ways of looking at things. But I love him. Brother, do you love me? He says he loves me. There we go. That's the church brought together and united under the power and the authority of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the compassionate, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the final authority, the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Brother, I I'll counsel with you anytime, help you any way that I can, but I want you to go to the Lord and receive your spiritual guidance from somebody who knows what they're doing, that can see your tomorrow. I'm going to make an appointment with you today. This is my promise to you. 
on the day of the rapture, when Jesus Christ takes us home, I will promise to meet you on the sea of glass right in front of the throne of God and we will have a sharp Holy Ghost time together. Could we just stand today? Give God praise in the house of God this morning. Would you stand all over this place? Thank you, brother. Look at your brother or your sister next to you. Do you love them? In your heart, if not with your eyes. Look at the one that you have had contempt for in the past and let it go. Let it go. Don't, don't, don't pretend it's not so. I know it's so. I don't preach messages for nothing. In the house of God, there are many kinds of vessels, some of wood, hay, and stubble, some of silver and gold. I don't know what kind of vessel I am, but I want to be an obedient vessel. I want to be an approachable vessel. I want to be somebody that you can come and count on as having a friend. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you're spiritual, you will love the one. Sister, you will love the one that's stolen from your home. You will love that one. You, brother, you will love the one that said wrong things about your family, you will learn to love them. Not easy. Not easy. Sister, you will love the one that has false criticism about your life. You will still love them. You won't pray ugly. You'll pray love. Am I talking right this morning? If you're not too tired this morning, could the worship team please come back? I know you already made one trip up here. I'm asking you to tap into your reserves. Dig deep this morning. Grab the hand of the person next to you and come before God this morning. We're not singling anybody out. We're not trying to make an example of anybody. But I'm the first one up here. Would, could we come this morning and place ourselves before the throne of God? It would much be the rather to be the prodigal who come back than the elder son who really never came home. Honestly, if you don't love your brother, there is grave danger. I don't care how much you talk in tongues, how much prophetic messages you put out. 
If you don't love your brother and your sister, you're in grave danger. Because the mark of being a Christian is you have love one toward the other. Those that criticize you. Those that steal from you. Those that falsely accuse you. Those that talk behind your back. Those that run you down and go tell the pastor things that aren't so about you. That never happened. You have to love them. You have to love them. Because in doing so, you never sink to the level that they're at. It will bring depression. It will bring anxiety. It will bring sleepless nights. It will affect your walk, your outlook, your whole manner of living. You sit down to a nice, big, juicy steak and you won't be able to enjoy it from the knot. When that person walks in the restaurant and you see them, all of a sudden you can't eat your steak. You got something against them. I'm asking you this morning, let it go. Let that spirit of anger go. Would you come this morning? Each and every one that would just stand before the Lord. We stood before him and shouted. Would you come this morning and just stand before him and let him bless you? Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, as a church, Lord God, we thank you. Oh, Father God, we thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, for all you've done, for who you are, for what you're doing right now. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.